0: This morning, since it's Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the place. We are so blessed to have some of the best moms in the world, even amongst us today. So thank you so much for being here. It's, uh, it's awesome to have you here. And uh, when I looked at the uh, the subject matter for doctrine this week, and it's being Mother's Day, today was supposed to be about Sin. And I just thought there isn't i I'm not that brave. I'm just not. And so I will be dealing with sin next week, and uh, I'll give you a fair warning, heads up, and uh, you know I know that the mothers are all sitting there going, they can do that during Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. <clears throat> but uh, so this morning we're not going to be talking about sin. We're going to be talking about awesome moms, amen? And how hard being a mom is. And you know, the the Bible is full of examples of actually uh, women who had to be uh, some pretty tough moms. And uh, go with me to Genesis chapter 16. We're going to talk about one in particular, and not the one you would think about, normally think about, that definitely is in the Word, definitely had a uh, rough time raising her son, And was an outcast from the beginning. And yet, God blessed her and blessed her offspring. And I want to see why. Well, let's see why she was blessed and why her family was blessed. Genesis chapter 16, beginning with verse 3. It says after Abraham or Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. So to set the set the tone, and so you know you already know this story and everything about it. You just have to sit through the sermon. You'll be all right. Abraham had been promised a son. God said he was going to make a great nation out of him, and he still had no son at 75. And his wife was barren. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that, that that, uh, Abraham actually had, as far as we know, at least three wives. Uh, He had Sarah, he had uh, Hagar, and he had a wife after Sarah died, who his name was Keturah. And both uh, both uh, uh, Hagar and Keturah had many children, had, had other children. And so it wasn't Abraham's uh, biological problem. It was Sarah. Sarah was having a rough time. She, she could not have children. She was barren. And uh, they had both heard the promise of God that they were going to have a son, and that son was going to, to be a great nation, and that God was going to bless the whole world through that son. And yet they got impatient. And who got impatient first? <laughs> For the record, that came from someone back there, not from someone up here, okay? Take your lives into your own hands, go right ahead. But Sarah got. Impatient, and she she wanted to have you know have God's word come true. Well, and then we know the story. She she gave uh, Abram her servant. Now Hagar was a slave. I mean, you're already starting out in the hole when you're when you're born a slave or when you're a slave for someone. You're already starting out uh, under underprivileged. <clears throat> Slaves back in those days were owned. They they were owned, and many of them were owned for life for whatever reason. Uh, it was because you're either indebted and you had to sell yourself into slavery, or your parents would sell you into slavery if you had too many too many uh, uh, mouths to feed. And usually it was the female mouths that they said, hey, you know, she, he's not going to bring me or, or have children in my line and my name, so they're extra, so they would sell them into slavery. All kinds of horrible things would happen. And so here's this woman, Hagar. She gets sold into Abraham's family and... On top of it, she then all of a sudden arbitrarily gets, gets put into a relationship that she, it doesn't say here, she was looking for. She was made to have children for her, for her boss. If you, put it, in, you know, put it into that light, she was made to have children for her boss. And it doesn't say that it was according to her will. It was, it was not according to her desire. So, I mean, that's pretty rough. When we look at our, our lives today and we think, boy, I had a bad day. But in those days, you know, they were sold into slavery. They were, they were born into slavery, and they were made to do things that was not necessarily a good thing. Verse 4. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Okay, she wasn't perfect. Which mother here is Perfect. Come on, dads. That was yes, yeah. I yeah, got one over here who's being smart and going this one right here, this one right here. That was your option. That was your opportunity right there, guys. And some, and most of you missed it. Most, right here is a perfect example. <laughs> so she looked in contempt on her mistress. Verse five. And Sarai said to Abram, "May the wrong done to me be on you." Hello. Who gave the wife, the, the maidservant to be the mistress? Give me a break. But that's what we do. We always blame each other, don't we? We always blame somebody. It's not my fault. It's not, not my fault that I'm being being uh, heard here. It's not my fault that I'm, I'm underprivileged. It's, it's her fault. You, you did it, husband. That's usually what happens. To me. <laughs> I gave my servant to you, to your embrace, and when she saw that I, she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Harshly. What does that mean? What does harshly mean? I think it means a whole lot of different things than, than what it means to us. In our lives, many times we're dealt with harshly. And, our, and, and I would say almost all of them. Now there are obviously the, the, the really bad cases where it becomes physical, where it becomes dangerous. But in this world, I mean, we, when we're dealt with harshly, when, you, when somebody sa- does something to you harshly, usually they're, they're, they're chewing you out. They're yelling at you. And I'm sure that Sarah I did that. But it's not outside of the realm of, of, of reality that she was also physically abusive to her. Hear this woman of God. I, that's what I love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't pull punches. If someone is a certain way, then it tells it like it is. You know, you wanna you want to make uh, Bible characters be these, these perfect examples of godliness. And in reality, they weren't. They were real people, struggling with real issues, having really bad days, and having really bad lives, and having to deal with it anyway. So here's this woman who was either born or was sold into slavery, made to have a child with her boss, and then once she does, she gets mistreated by the very person who made it happen. That's a bad day. That really stinks. That's not... Fair, you know the days that we think we're having a, a, an unfair day. You know it's not fair that I have to put up with this. It's not fair that I have to deal with this. It's those days when, in reality, in in, in the the grand scope of, of life and humanity, good. We actually do have it pretty good. There's a whole lot worse that could be happening. There's a whole lot worse. Not that we, you know, you know. Buck up little, whatever, Sarai, or buck up little Hagar. It could be worse. Well, yeah, this is pretty bad. She's being abused. She's she's into a situation that she didn't want to be in necessarily. And now she finds herself in that situation, thinking, well, maybe at least I'm going to get some benefit out of having this man's first child. And what does she do? She gets abused. Now, it doesn't say here, it doesn't say here that, that Sarai sent her away. She just made it so bad that she finally left. She made it so rough. She made it so, so bad that she finally got out of there. I mean, how bad does it have to get before you finally give up? Now, we're in the 21st century. There's all kinds of help out there for, for single moms who have, have had a rough time. And, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not making light of that in any way, shape, or form. Single moms who uh, have to make a go on their own, that's tough. I mean, that is tough. But there's a lot of safety nets built in to our society nowadays. In that society, there were no safety nets. This woman, when she left, she left to nothing. She had no hope. I mean, it had to be pretty bad for her to make a run for it. It had to be completely out of hand. for her. It it wasn't just a scolding. It wasn't just a couple of dirty looks as she was doing her daily duties. There was something really bad going on, so bad that she was willing to put her life on the line because once she walked outside that camp, there was no one who was going to take care of her. She was a slave, number one. Number two, she had a child. And, and, and if it, in those days, and we put ourselves in those days, they, they didn't look at somebody else's child as, oh, I have compassion on you. They looked at, hey, that's your problem. I've got my own things to worry about. Nobody was mandating anything. This woman was in bad shape. She was in trouble. Can you imagine being a, 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 a pregnant mother? and having to make those kinds of decisions. And in that moment when she makes that decision, something amazing happens. Let's watch. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai, the angel of the Lord. Now remember when we talked about in, in theology, when we were talking about, uh, the it was a while back, when we were talking about, um, uh, what's the phrase, theophanies. Theophanies. Theophanies are where God shows up. When God shows up in human form, this is a theophany. When, she said, when it says that the angel of the Lord showed up to her, it was actually God showing up, and we'll find that out, because, because she talks about who, he, who, who she meets on the, on the road, and she gives a name to him. She, she says, this is who you are, and he doesn't deny it. And so this is God showing up to her, God in, in the middle of her trouble, in the middle of her absolutely impossible situation, God shows up. The angel of the Lord gives her some advice here. He gives her uh, what she needs to do. And you might think, well, this here she is, this horrible situation, this woman who's in the middle of, of the, the worst possible situation, this woman whos who's been uh, used and abused, and, and even after she did exactly what everybody expected her to do, she was abused so much, so bad, that she was willing to take off. God shows up in her life, and he gives her a piece of advice. Here's the advice. Return to your mistress and submit to her. Hmm. That doesn't hardly seem fair, does it? I mean, which one of us would, would make that, give that kind of advice today? That a person who's in an abusive situation to go back and to submit to the very person who's abusing you. That's that's rough stuff. That's that's not easy stuff. That's that's not light Bible reading right there. That is some major hard stuff. That's, That's real life in its rawest form. In the midst of this woman's worst possible nightmare, God shows up, and he asks her to do something completely contrary, obviously, because she'd already left, completely contrary to what she thought was the right answer. Does God ask us to do impossible things? Yes. In our 21st century world, many times we've reasoned away the fact that there are some things in life that are unpleasant. And that God may want us to do them anyway. We've decided that what really matters is what I want. And that what really matters is what what do I get out of this? And we, we're pretty sure because we've, we've created God in our image, and we've created God in, in our, our uh, you know, God's just like me. And so God would not want me to be unhappy in any way, shape, or form. When in reality, God has a bigger plan. He has something that's much more important than our momentary happiness. Now, I'm not saying that if you're in an abusive situation, a physically or, or a, a dangerous situation, that that, oh, well, just go right back in there and submit to that person. No, you need to get the word of the Lord. Amen. That's what she had. She had an answer from God. She sought God. You know, why did God show up? Because when she sat down there, she, she was crying out to God. It didn't say that, but that's what she was. She had to be. Anybody in that situation is going, my God, what am I going to do? help me. She had heard from Abraham about the God of Abraham. She had heard that he was a, a God of provision, a God of blessing, a God of honor, a God who, who, uh, who, who picks up those who don't deserve it and, and, and works in their lives. And so in the, that moment when everything is going wrong and when everything really stinks. She's crying out, and God tells her to do something exactly opposite of what she thinks is the right answer. And now she has a choice to make. To receive the blessing of the Lord, Hagar had to make hard choices. She had to submit herself to a less than ideal situation. But nevertheless, she was expected to do the right thing. There are times when, as an adult, we have to make decisions that are less than ideal, that are less than beneficial to us in the moment that we're making them. We were never promised an easy life, it's reality. I wished we lived in a different world. I really wish we lived in a different world. I really wished we didn't live in a world that was full of sin and and hate and death. But we do. And to go through that life thinking that, well, somebody owes us something, and that if my life somehow isn't measuring up to what I thought it was going to be, that it's everybody else's fault. It's not. And it may not even be your fault. It may just be the world we live in. We live in a fallen world where, where, where destruction, death, decay is ruling every single moment. But the most amazing thing in the midst of this is that we have a God who sees us. We have a God. That's what Sarah, or that's what Hagar calls the angel that she meets in verse... Well, let's pick up with verse 10. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall name, call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He said, or he shall be a wild donkey of a man. What kid isn't? All right what just... <clears throat> His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and He shall dwell over, uh, dwell over against all His kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord, Who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, here I have been seen by him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Ber Lahai Oroi. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. She spoke to this God, this angel, this messenger of God who she recognized as God, and she said, You are the God who sees me. Many times in our lives, when we're going through those absolutely horrible moments, when life does not, it's not fair, it's wrong, it doesn't fit, it isn't fitting with your desires, everything seems to be going against you, in the midst of it, what's what's the, the overwhelming feeling? The overwhelming feeling is that nobody cares. Even God doesn't even see what's going on, and that's wrong. God sees. God sees you. God sees me. He understands you better than you understand yourself. And he knows that the plan he has for you is even better than the plan you can make up for yourself. Because he knows the future. Here, he told Hagar, he said, I know what the future is. You're going to have a son. This is what he's going to be like. This is what it's going to be like. Can you imagine raising a donkey of a man? (laughs) There were a couple of mothers over there going, yes, I can. (laughs) Yep. You bet. Can you imagine what it was going to have to be like to raise that child? who He's he's against everybody, and everybody's against him. The teenage years, oh my, the, the terrible twos alone. But she recognized that he was the God who sees her. The God who sees what she's going through. Bottom line, here's the deal, folks. God sees what you're going through right now. And our desire, our hope, is that when he sees what I'm going through right now, that his answer is, I shall wipe away all pain, suffering, and tears. All goodness and flowers and perfume shall pour upon you from this day forth until thou shalt die of a quiet death. Blah, 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 blah. That's what we want. But in reality, he may say to you, uh, go back to your mistress, the one who's been abusing you, the one that's, that made your life hard, the one that's, that's making your life a living hell. You might need to go back there. Because in doing that, you're going to get what you need. She was going to die out there. And not only she was going to die out there, her child was going to die out there, and that and not only just her and her child, nations were going to die out there if she made the wrong choice. We think this is all about us, and the moment of suffering, the moment of, of turmoil, and we take that on, we go, Oh, you know, my life stinks. I want sh- to change the direction of my life. I'm going to make this easier when in reality, That may be the very road that destroys your future. The easier road. God sees you. And he sees the situation that you're in. And he knows that if you keep faithful to him, listening to his word. Now, I'm not saying if you're in a bad situation and God says... Don't go back to that bad situation. And you go, I'm going to do it anyway because it's tough. And what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. No, that's, that's just foolishness. But if the word of the Lord is, you might need to go back into that job that really stinks right now. Because through that job, through that terrible job where the horrible boss and all those annoying workers, all those people you've got to hang out with, or, or school, going back to that school, and I don't want to go to that school, or, or whatever situation you find yourself in, if you go back into that, that may be the very vehicle that launches you into the greatness and the power and the, and the, the overflowing blessings that God has for you. Because when, when Hagar uh, obeyed God, obeyed the messenger, she went back to Abraham... It didn't say from that moment on she never suffered another moment the rest of her life. No, we see that she got kicked out a number of years later. Just when you think you got it all under control, it gets worse. Isn't this a happy sermon so far? <laughs> Fifteen. 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 And Hagar bore Abraham, Abram a son, and Abram called the, called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. You know that Abraham, Abram had to name him what she told him he had to name him? What God had said? I don't think he would have named him Ishmael by himself. Abraham, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So from that time on, I'm sure it wasn't easy. There were plenty of opportunities for her to be ridiculed, abused by Sarah. And Sarah was still not in favor of having her around and him. Do you know what's worse than a mother-in-law? A wife-in-law. Can you imagine women having, I don't care what some of those other cultures are saying with multiple wives, one is enough. Perfect It's absolutely perfect. That's what I mean. But could you imagine being in the house with a wife that doesn't want you around and despises you every moment? And every day that you get up and make breakfast, she despises you every single day, because you have a child with her husband and you and she doesn't. Oh, my goodness, We don't know the wrath of that kind of woman, men and women. We don't. That is a horrible existence, daily to have to walk through. And she did. And just when you think it couldn't get any worse, it does. Turn to Genesis 21, verse 8. Genesis 21, 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham, Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. All of a sudden, the son of the promise that they had waited 25 years for came forth. And he was born so now you not only are the despised handmaiden, the despised woman who took away your, you know, the glory of the, of the wife, now the wife just had a child. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. Poor man was caught in the middle again, right there. <laughs> but God said to Abraham, "Do not, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. Happy wife, happy life. For though Isaac shall you, sh- through Isaac your, shall your offspring be named. Obedience in the midst of suffering always brings blessing. Let me say that again: obedience in the midst of suffering always brings blessing. If you do what God wants you to do, even when it's rough, especially when it's rough. There's blessing that comes with that. And it will more than make up. I guarantee you, it will will more than make up for whatever you've suffered through the trial. Hagar showed great character by obeying the Lord in a very harsh environment. And this is what... God says to Abraham, And I will make a nation of the son and of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took a bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. Hagar prayed again. In that moment of her need, in the moment of of everything in her world falling apart, she once again called out to God. And once again God acknowledged her. Verse seventeen. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Wait a second, I thought he just said a while back that he was the God who sees her. And now he's going, Hey, what's what's the matter? What's the problem? Does he not see her now? Is this something new? Is this something that God didn't, wasn't, didn't see coming? Oh man, I never thought of that. Shoot, you raise him until he's 14 and all of a sudden you get kicked out. Well, that stinks. Huh, who would have known that was going to happen? You know, there are times when it seems like God doesn't care, but he asks things and, he, he, and when you're uh, conversing with him, he'll ask you things only to, to, to shake you out of where you're at? Because we can get into funks. We can get into funks where we just get all wound up around ourselves and we're, oh, woe is me. Does she have reason to be woeful? Yeah, well, of course, we all know that. Your son's dying of thirst over there. You've been kicked out of your house. The provision that you, you, know, you weren't going to get if you left 14 years ago hasn't gotten any better. There's still no social programs for mothers of 14-year-olds who get kicked out of their households, especially for slaves. What does this mean? Is, is God getting callous? No. Many times He asks us questions to shock us out of our, 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 our funk. Remember what He said to said to, uh, to, to Moses. Because Moses is going, I can't go, I can't do anything, I I can't I can't speak to Pharaoh, and God says, What do you have in your hand? Huh? God asks us questions because he wants us to get outside of ourselves and to not look at the situation at the moment. He wants us to have a bigger picture. He wants us to hear his voice and to be able to understand that what the situation we we are in is not outside of his control. Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And when she went and filled the skin with water, and gave the boy a drink, and God was with the boy, and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness. Do you notice he didn't take him somewhere and and get some support for him? He provided for him in the middle of the wilderness. Sometimes God will leave you in the middle of the wilderness. And you might think, well, that's not fair. But he took care of him. He provided for him. He gave him everything he needed to grow up. And he made him a great nation. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. The stuff we go through in our lives isn't always fair. And our children, our children will never fully understand what we, and especially this is Mother's Day, mothers have to give up to raise their children. If they fully understood what, ha- what goes into raising children, they would never have any of their own. <laughs> the pressure, the concern, the, the sacrifice, the selflessness, the pain. Parenting is hard, not just in a physical, sleep-depriving, washing-poop-off-your-hands kind of way. (laughs) The sense of spiritual responsibility to do whatever it takes to raise these kids that God has given me can be overwhelming. And there are times when we have to do, as parents, and especially mothers, have to do whatever it takes to raise their kids up in the way that they should go. Thank you, moms, for what you do. Thank you for laying down your lives for your kids. And for doing stuff that's just out, outside of the, 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 the norm and scope of, of what should be ex- required of a, of a human being. But in the midst of it no matter what you're going through at any given moment remember that God is the God who sees you. He sees you exactly where you are, what you're dealing with, with whom you're dealing with it with. <coughs> and that there is reward for obedience in the middle of the turmoil. There's reward it's a re- there is a reward, an eternal reward for obedience in the tough days, in the tough opportunities, the tough moments. But you need to hear the voice of God. Lord, what do I need to do? This kid is driving me nuts. He is, I think he's just like Ishmael. Everybody's against him, and he's against everybody. Oh, God, help me. He's the God who sees you, and he'll, he'll tell you what to do. He will tell you how to raise that child. And it may be you have to do something tough, whatever that is. more than That's just life. Everything he asks us to do is tough. But there's obedience in, or there's blessing in that obedience. Let's stand. I'm going to dismiss early because I know everybody wants to get to mom's and grandma's house and bless them. But I want to pray real quick for all the moms here. So if you're a mom, or if you're, if you're wife or mother or grandmother, or if you see somebody who doesn't have someone around them praying and you know that they're a mother, just, pr- just put your hand on their shoulder. Children, put your hands on your mother's, ch- mother's shoulders. Son, get your tail down here and pray for your mom (laughs) in a loving, loving, fatherly Jesus kind of way. Let's pray for these women. Lord, we thank you so much for these amazing women of God. Amazing women who have given so much for their children. Father, we bless them in the name of the Lord. And Lord, we honor you because of the honor that they've shown you thrown through their lives. Father, I know, I know that not everything they're dealing with in these days is fun. I know that not everything they're dealing with is easy. So Lord, we ask for grace. Pour out your anointing on them to be the mothers you're calling them to be. And Lord, I pray that you'll remind them daily that you are the God who sees them and knows what they're going through. Father, thank you for them. And bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.